0: Of Matthew chapter 16 and we are going to be reading verses 13 through 16 Matthew chapter 16 verses 13 through 16 this morning we are going to begin a series which I have titled who is Jesus who is Jesus if somebody came up to you and asked you that question who is Jesus what would you say how would you respond Well, hopefully after this series you would be able to give a a biblical effective answer to that question who is Jesus it's kind of sad but there's Christians who have been Christians for many many years and they don't even know who jesus is some don't misunderstand me they know that jesus is savior and they have a a somewhat of a knowledge of jesus but they haven't yet grasped and understand who he truly is as revealed in the scriptures and so This morning, we're going to begin a series on who is Jesus. And my desire is that at the end of this series, all of us would have a greater understanding of who Jesus is and a greater love for him. How many of you want to fall more in love with Jesus? Amen. One of the way we do that is by getting to know him better the more i know my wife the more i've been falling in love with her and it's the same with our savior and so we're going to begin in matthew 16 and we're going to read verses 13 through 16 and if you have it please let me know by saying amen i don't want to start without everyone there amen amen this is what the gospel of matthew says in chapter 16 verses 13 through 16 when jesus came into the region of caesarea philippi he asked his disciples saying who do man say that i the son of man am so they said some say john the baptist some elijah and others jeremiah or one of the prophets he said to them but who do you say that i am simon peter answered and said you are the christ the son of the living god the two most important questions you will ever be asked to answer are these who is jesus christ and do you know him who is jesus christ and do you know him those are the two most important questions you will ever be asked upon these two questions hangs your eternal destiny you cannot be wrong about these two questions and be right with god there's no middle ground to these two questions it's all or nothing either You know who Jesus is or you don't know who he is. Either you know Jesus personally, either you have a relationship with Jesus or you don't know him personally. You don't have a relationship with him. It's it's very black and white. But upon these two questions hangs everything. Salvation Abundant life, forgiveness of sins, eternity, heaven and how upon these two questions hangs everything. And we cannot afford to be wrong about Jesus. Think of it in this way. It doesn't matter if you are right about everything else in life. If you're wrong about Jesus, you will end up being wrong about everything else. Jesus said it best when he says, what good does it do if you gain the whole world and you lose your own soul? What good does it do if you're right about everything else and if you're wrong about Jesus? And so everything hangs upon the answer to these questions who is Jesus Christ and do you know him and because of that because these questions are so important this morning it's so important that we know precisely who Jesus is and that we know him personally in our hearts you know throughout church history to the present day many people have given answers regarding who jesus is and sadly to their own destruction they've missed the mark miserably and and let me share with you what i mean some people answer that jesus is who their emotions say he is The Jesus of their emotions and feelings and imagination. I like to call it the make believe Jesus, the Jesus of whoever I want him to be and whatever I'm feeling at this moment. Some people say that Jesus is who a popular song says he is the Jesus of The music industry, the Jesus that you sing in the club, the Jesus that you, excuse my language, bump and grind to, the Jesus walks type of guy. Some people say that Jesus is who a painting says he is. The Jesus of art, the Jesus of the art industry, a pretty boy light-skinned, blue-eyed Jesus. Some people say that Jesus is who the television says he is. The Jesus who wants you to be wealthy and healthy and prosperous. The Jesus that wants you to have your best life now. I like to call it the millionaire Jesus. Some people say that Jesus is who the New Age movement, says he is the jesus who is a positive force or energy in the universe a jesus who doesn't make demands upon your life but simply someone who wants you to feel good i like to call it the yoga jesus some people say and i'm going to end with this of these examples that jesus is who the cults and the false religions says he is the good Jesus, the wise Jesus, the great teacher Jesus, but the he is not God Jesus. And so you have throughout church history, even to this present day of many people who have tried to answer the question of who Jesus is, but they have missed it the mark miserably listen to this believing upon any other jesus other than the one revealed in the holy scriptures only leads to eternal destruction believing in any other jesus doesn't matter how good your intentions are or how much you think you're right Believing in any other Jesus other than the one revealed in the Bible will send you to hell. It damns the soul. Let me give you some illustrations of what I mean. Trusting another Jesus other than the one revealed in the Bible is like a dying man taking the wrong prescription. It will not cure him. It will only speed up his death. Trusting another Jesus is like a drowning man grabbing the wrong rope. It will not save him. It will only submerge him. Trusting another Jesus is like a snake by victim taking the wrong antidote. It will not heal him, but it will only speed up the poison. Trusting another Jesus is like a lost traveler walking across a washed out bridge. It will not take him safely to the other side, but it will only bring about his own destruction. Trusting another Jesus other than the one revealed in the scriptures only leads to eternal destruction. And this morning none of us can afford to be wrong about jesus we can't afford to be wrong about the lord jesus we need clarity we need truth we need accuracy concerning jesus because our eternal destiny it hangs upon our understanding of who he is and what we do with him and so because this question is so important, because so much is at stake with it for the next few weeks, I'm going to try to answer that question, a biblical answer, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? And really, to, to answer this question, you can really use many passages in the Bible to answer this question but the passage that I want to focus on I've never had the opportunity to teach from it and so I I really want to take advantage of this opportunity and we're going to be looking at a passage of scripture in Colossians and so if you can turn with me to Colossians chapter 1 and we are going to for the next few weeks examine verses 15 through 22 Colossians chapter one verses 15 through 22 now let me share with you what was going on in the church at Colossia at the church in, in Colossia there were false teachers who came in who infiltrated the church and they began to teach another jesus they began to spread destructive heresy what does the word heresy mean simply false teaching false doctrine these teachers went to this church and they began to share with the church that jesus was not fully god That Jesus was not fully man, but he was something halfway in between. They began to deny the deity of Christ, that Jesus was God, and they also denied the humanity of Christ, that Jesus was a man. And when I think of that, I think that that's like a bridge disconnected on both sides. they denied the deity and they denied the humanity and so here at this church these false teachers they began to teach another jesus and so paul he writes the brethren the colossians this letter and one of the main things he wants to address one of the main things paul wants to clear up is who is jesus paul wants to bring clarity and accuracy and truth concerning jesus to the colossians and so paul writes them this letter and in verse 15 through verse 22 paul under the inspiration of the holy spirit he writes one of the most precise profound description of jesus christ found in the entire bible phrase upon phrase line upon line verse upon verse these descriptions of christ they, they serve as a gold mine of truth regarding the lord jesus christ under the inspiration of of the spirit paul in in these short verses he answers the question once and for all who is jesus christ now one thing i want to share that's very interesting is verse 15 through verse 22 many people believe that this portion of scripture It served as one of the very first Christian hymns ever to be written. And we refer to it as the Colossian hymn. If you want to know what the early church used to sing during their services, they used to sing scripture throughout the New Testament. We have various examples of portion of scripture that used to be sung by the early church as hymns let me give you a a few more examples if you would ever want to look them up john chapter one verses one through 18 that's what we refer to as the logos hymn that was sung by the early church you got philippians chapter two verses five through eleven that's called the christ hymn first timothy 3 16 and there's a few more there in the scriptures but throughout the new testament we have different portions of scripture that used to be sung by the early church and here in colossians is one of them we refer to it as the colossian hymn that's pretty neat if you think about it that the early church they used to sing scripture amen that they just had such a a high esteem and reverence for the word of God. And another reason why they would sing it, because that would help them to memorize it. And that would help them to be familiar with what they believe concerning Jesus. And so this morning, we're going to take this collage and hymn And we're going to look at some truths about Christ found in it. You know, I'm going to share with you five truths concerning Jesus taken from this Colossian hymn. But this morning, we're just going to start with the first one. I don't have time to give you all five of them. And so we got to break it down in about a three week Study. If I would do all five, we would finish when the Spanish service finishes. Amen. And Then my dad would fire me. Just kidding. He probably wouldn't fire me. But he'd probably get a little upset. <laughs> so, so I'm going to share with you truths concerning Jesus taken from this Colossian hymn. And I want you to do me a favor. I want you to write these truths down. Take notes. But. I don't simply want you to write it down on a piece of paper because the chances are you're probably going to end up losing that paper. And I'm not making fun of you or condemning you, but we're just being honest. We take notes at church and a lot of times we lose them. So I don't want you simply to write it down on a piece of paper. But I want you to write it down in the margins of your Bible that they will be there For you to go back, to remember, to think about, ready when you need to use them. Write it down in your Bible this morning. And most importantly, write it down in your heart. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you some silver bullets to combat the wolves. How many of you know there's wolves out there? Amen. False teachers, false cults, false religions there's wolves out there and we need some silver bullets and I'm going to hook you up with one this morning but eventually five I'm going to get you loaded and ready to go amen so when that knock comes on your door you don't have to run to the bathroom but you can be ready to open it so let's begin Unless you have to use the restroom, of course. (laughs) Let's begin with point number one. And this is a very simple point, but this is where it all starts when you talk about Jesus. Jesus is God. How many can say amen to that? Jesus is God. Verse 15 and verse 19 in this Colossian hymn, let's read it together. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Now turn with me to verse 19, for it pleased the father that in him all the fullness should dwell. And so our first truth that we're going to look at concerning jesus is that jesus is god now before i begin i just have to say this because i don't want you to get distracted concerning it we will address the latter half of verse 15 in a future study in this series When Paul says he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, we will cover what Paul means when he says Jesus is the firstborn over all creation. So don't get um, impatient. Don't get a little distracted with that phrase, with the latter half of verse 15. We're going to look at it. We're going to cover it. But just. Not this morning. We're going to focus on He is the image of the invisible God. Amen. And everybody okay with that? Cults have a field day with that phrase, but I'm going to explain it and equip you and prepare you to be ready to talk to them about it. And so we're going to begin. by talking about Jesus is God. The first thing Paul tells us concerning Jesus is that he is God. That's where Paul begins. Can you think of a higher place to begin when talking about Jesus, that he is God? Paul tells us that he is the image of the invisible god now the word image it comes from the greek word icon icon and it carries the idea of likeness copy or a representation of something else and so listen to this understand the verse when paul tells us that jesus is the image of the invisible god paul is telling us that Christ is the perfect image and the exact likeness of God. This is a statement of Christ's deity. Now, I'm going to use the word deity a lot in this morning's study. That simply means that Jesus is God. It's another word to say that Jesus is divine, that Jesus is God And Paul tells us that Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the exact likeness of God almighty. Now, the Bible teaches us that God is invisible and you don't have to turn there, but you can jot down this verse. First, Timothy, chapter one, verse 17. Paul says now to the king eternal immortal invisible to God alone who is wise to be be honor and glory forever and ever and so the Bible teaches us that God is invisible now because God is invisible no one has ever seen God and we read that in first Timothy chapter 6 verse 16 now the reason Why God is invisible and the reason why no one has ever seen God is because God is spirit. God is not a physical being. He's not physical by nature, but God is pure spirit. And we read that in John 4 verse 24. God is spirit. Therefore, God is is invisible God does not have a body God does not have body parts now I know some of you are saying well Adam what about in the Old Testament when we read about the eyes of the Lord and the arm of the Lord and the mouth of the Lord what about that Adam isn't that telling us that God has a body No, it's not. Those are merely figures of speech used to communicate to us certain attributes of God. When it talks about that God has eyes, it's speaking that God sees all things, that God knows all things. When it's talking about the arm and the hand of the Lord, it's talking about God is all-powerful. God has all the strength. When it talks about the mouth of the Lord, it's talking about the authority of God. But don't get confused. God does not have arms. God does not have eyes like we do. God is spirit. He is invisible. We cannot see God. But this is the beauty of, about it the son of God the second person of the trinity of the Godhead Jesus Christ 2000 years ago in the incarnation Jesus the son of God the invisible God he took upon himself human flesh without sin but yet he took upon himself a a human nature and he came into the world as the god man he came fully god fully man he was not half god and half man but he he was a hundred percent god he possessed divine nature and a hundred percent man he possessed a human nature, and he came to be the image of the invisible God. God is spirit. We cannot see God. Our understanding, our revelation of God is limited, but God entered time and space in the incarnation. Jesus Christ came to be the image of God the invisible God. And now when we see Jesus, we see God. And now when we study Jesus, we're studying about God. And now when we get to know Jesus, we're getting to know God. His name shall be Emmanuel, God with us. You know, in John chapter 14, verse eight, Philip, one of the disciples he asked jesus to show him the father he said lord show us the father and it's sufficient for us show us god the father and it's enough lord we believe or if we just can see the father and i love how jesus responded in verse 9 john chapter 14 jesus said this he Who has seen me has seen the father. So how can you say show us the father? He's the image of the invisible God. If you've seen me, if you are talking to me, if you're studying me, if you're getting to know me, you have seen the father. You know, really that statement by the Lord Really, can fall into three categories. You no, know, either Jesus was a liar, either Jesus was a lunatic, or either he was Lord. Either he was deceived, either he was a deceiver, or he was deity. You see, you just can't go up to someone and say, "Hey, by seeing me, you're seeing God." You know, they're gonna think that you're a little cuckoo, cuckoo. You know what I'm saying? I'm gonna think you're one cheeseburger short of a happy meal. You know you can't just do that. But Jesus, he makes these profound statements. Hey, by seeing me, you are seeing God. And either he was lying. I don't think so. I think if anyone was telling the truth, it was him. Either he was a lunatic. I don't think so. This world is filled with lunatics many of us being probably some of them before we came to Christ but when i study the life of jesus he was the only sane person that means he must be lord he must be deity he is fully god and listen to this everything else i will be telling you it's built upon this foundation of all foundations Regarding the Lord Jesus Christ, anytime you study the life of Jesus, the person of Christ, it always begins with his deity. Jesus Christ is the eternal God who existed from all eternity past and he's co-equal, co-eternal with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. It always begins at the deity of Jesus Christ. Look with me, verse 19 in Colossians 1. Paul says, For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell. What is Paul saying? He's saying that all the fullness of deity. All the fullness of what God is resides in Jesus Christ. All the fullness, all the glory, all the splendor, all the power resides in the person of Jesus Christ. It pleased the father that in him all the fullness should be dwell let me give you a brief application of verse 19 i just don't want to move on before i say this it also pleases the father when all the fullness of attention is on jesus christ god is most pleased when jesus christ is the center of attention god is is most pleased when all the fullness of your attention of your resources of your energy is placed on jesus christ you know i love what jesus said he said when the spirit comes he's going to testify concerning me and a lot of people forget that because within the churches everyone says You know, I I want to go to a spirit filled church. I want to go where the Holy Spirit is moving, where the Holy Spirit is ministering. And a lot of times they think that that means that the curtains are going to be shaking. A lot of times that means you're going to feel a little goosebumps. And that means it's a spirit filled church. But the truth is spirit filled churches are the churches where Jesus Christ is the center of attention because that's the ministry of the holy spirit the holy spirit will not testify concerning himself but he has come to testify concerning jesus that's his ministry that's his role in the plan and work of salvation and so it pleased god that all the fullness Should dwell in Christ and it pleases God when you give all your attention to Jesus Christ. know how sad it is that a lot of times we give the fullness of our attention to work, to family, to school, to activities and Jesus gets the leftovers. That does not please the father. That's a dishonor to the father when we kind of say father you sent your son to die the most excruciating death on my behalf i receive it i thank you for my salvation but i just don't have time for your son right now i'm sure the father is broken hearted when we give anything other than all to his son turn with me to chapter 2 verse 9 look at this other verse remember Paul is trying to combat these false teachers who are preaching and teaching another Jesus and he throws in another verse for us in chapter 2 verse 9 he says for in him in Christ dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily all the fullness of God Almighty dwells in bodily form in Jesus Christ. And so the first thing we learn, the first thing we need to talk about is Jesus Christ is God. Now, this truth, this point, it's really the point of departure between biblical Christianity. In every false cult and every false religion, the, the first thing that you really want to examine about a movement, about a religion, about a cult is whether or not they believe Jesus is God. God, because every cult, every false religion has a lot of things in common. One of them is they deny that Jesus is God is God you know, at times people ask me hey you know my family member has found this church I'm a little worried I've never been there I don't know what they believe can you check it out for me and so I'll go online and and look at their their statement of faith or their, their, their doctrine and one of the first things I look for is do they believe that Jesus is God because if they don't get out of there <laughs> that church That belief system, they're on a a one-way journey to hell if you don't believe that Jesus is God. unless Jesus is God, there's no true saving faith in Christ. Listen to this. Now, some might say, Adam, this is a little radical. This is extreme. No, it's not. There's no salvation unless Jesus Christ is God. There's no salvation. There is no eternal life. There's no forgiveness unless Jesus Christ is God. You might know someone who's from a different religion, who's from a, a different belief system, and they might believe in a Jesus, but they will say he's not God. He's a created being, he was a good man, he was a prophet, but I don't believe he's God. No matter how much we love those people and how much we want them to be saved, unless Jesus is God, there's no salvation. That's an essential doctrine that is essential in the salvation of someone's life. And so it begins with this first truth, Jesus is God. And this is what we're going to do. This morning I'm going to share with you three reasons taken from the Bible why we believe Jesus Christ is God. You know, we've read it. You know, we've seen it in verse 15 and verse 19 and chapter 2 verse 9. And so we've already seen it, but now I want to make a a, a bigger case. And what I want to do is I want to equip you this morning because many of you come across others who passionately don't believe that Jesus is God. And they're able to even show some verses, although they misinterpret them, that it would seem that their views are correct but this morning i'm going to give you reasons and i'm going to make the case why we believe jesus is god and so the next time you talk to that stranger or that family member who denies the deity of christ you'll be able to defend your faith and defend what you believe this morning i want us to get equipped you know when we come to the church, when we come to service, you know, we come for, for many reasons. We come to worship and, and glorify God, but we also come to be equipped and edified. We come to learn the Bible. Amen. And that's what we want to do this morning. We want to just learn the Bible. We want to grow in our understanding of who jesus is and we want to start learning why we believe certain doctrines certain truths you know it it breaks my heart that many believers know what they believe but they just don't know how to defend it if i ask the question how many believe in the trinity that god is one and yet god is three everyone would say amen I believe it. If I asked you, show it to me in scripture, you would say, I don't know. Give me some time. Let me Google it. Let me search it out. You know, let me me call Adam. Let me call Cheeto. Let me call Brother Edgar, you know, if I can get a hold of him. And I'm not saying that to put you down in no way. I'm not even trying to go there. I'm just saying that. Because I want to encourage you, hey, it's time for us as a church, as a body of believers to be students of the word and to be prepared to be equipped. You know, it's sad, but there was a survey taken and it was shown that the denomination that knew less about the word and less how to defend their faith was the Pentecostals that they were the most illiterate when it came to the Bible. And When I read that, I, it broke my heart, and I said, Lord, hopefully here at Templo Victoria, we could try to put that statistic a, a little up, and, and we could equip the saints. And so that's what we're going to try to do, and I want to share with you three reasons why we believe Jesus is God, and it's in your notes, I took the time last night, even though I was a little hungry, but I said, I'm going to make this outline, and the Lord gave me the grace, and I, I, I put some of the references, and some of the points, so let's look at the first reason, Jesus possesses divine attributes, Jesus possesses divine attributes, the Bible teaches us, that Jesus possesses attributes, qualities, characteristics that only God possesses let me share some of them with you let's look at five Jesus is eternal he's eternal John 8 58 the Lord said Moses surely I say to you before Abraham was I am you can look at Proverbs 30 verse 5 John 17 verse 5 Hebrews chapter 1 verses 10 through 12 Over and over, the Bible teaches that Jesus is eternal. What does that mean? Jesus has always existed and he will always exist. There's never been a time that Jesus didn't exist. Jesus was not created as so many say he was. He is eternal God the first and the last, the beginning and the end, the alpha and the omega. Jesus is eternal. Before creation, before time came into existence, Jesus was already there. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit were in perfect fellowship before everything got started. He's eternal. Let's look at The next attribute, Jesus is all present. Jesus is all present. Matthew 28, 20, Jesus says, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. In Matthew chapter 18, verse 20, the Lord says, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. Jesus is all present. What does that mean? He's everywhere. There is not a place where Jesus is not at. He's everywhere. He's all present. And, and that attribute, it brings so much comfort to me personally because that's teaching me, that's telling me that wherever I go or wherever I might be, Jesus is there with me jesus will never leave us he will never forsake us you might be at work you might be at school you might be taking a trip and you might be all alone in a physical sense but the truth is you're not all alone jesus is with you Jesus wants to help you. And Jesus wants to, to, to guide you and direct you. And it's all possible because he's all present. Man, that's beautiful. Third, Jesus is all-knowing. He's omniscient. He, he knows all. John sixteen thirty. Now, we are sure that you know all things and have no need that anyone should question you. In Colossians chapter 2, Verse 3, Paul says that in Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Jesus knows everything. Now, isn't that so comforting also to know because we don't know everything. We have questions concerning the future. We have questions concerning decisions That need to be made. But isn't it such a comfort to know. That Jesus knows everything. And we can go to him. And we can seek him. For guidance. For direction. For instruction. He knows everything. He knows the future. Perfectly. Completely. Holy. He knows where you're going to be in 5, 10, 15 20 years, and he's just so ready to direct you and guide you and to help you make the right decisions. You know, we can even take this to the next level. Jesus knows everything about you, and he still loves you. Wow. We can just like end with that this morning. He knows everything about you, and he still died for you. He still shed his blood at the cross. If you knew everything about me, you would not be here this morning. If you knew stuff I've done before I came to Christ, if you knew what was in my heart, if I knew what was in your heart, I wouldn't want to be speaking in front of you. Probably God knows all, and yet God still loves us god sent his son to die for wretches like me and like you man that is beyond me he's all-knowing fourth jesus is all-powerful he's all-powerful we we say that he's omnipotent all-powerful matthew twenty eight eighteen, 18 the lord says all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth, in Revelations 1.8, Jesus tells us that he's the almighty. In Hebrews 1.3, Jesus says, tells us that he's upholding all things by the word of his power. He is all powerful. Jesus is mighty to save. Jesus has the power to do the impossible. There's no limit to what Jesus can do you know this morning what's your need what's the miracle that you need the question is not if jesus has the power to meet that need but the question is if you have the faith to believe that he could meet that need a lot of times we come to lord say if you can only do this lord and the lord says the if is not on me but the if is on you if you can believe If you can trust, if you can just have the faith that I can do the miracle because I'm all powerful. I created everything out of nothing. When's the last time you heard someone do that? Create everything out of nothing. You know, I heard a story once that, you know, there was a a scientist and, and God having a little competition for creation. And the scientist grabbed some dirt and he started trying to create. And God said, wait a minute, get your own dirt. (laughs) You got to create out of nothing. That's what I did. He's all powerful and this morning. Whatever might be your need, he can meet according to his will. You just got to believe and trust in him. Let's look at the next one. I I need to hear Jesus is immutable. Now, that's just a fancy theological term that means Jesus doesn't change. He's immutable. Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. How many can say amen to that? Jesus doesn't change. Now, this attribute is just so unique from anyone else because everything changes. Everyone changes. It, it's a law, the law of entropy. Things go from order to, zi- to disorder. Eventually, given time, everything will deteriorate. Eventually, you're going to change. Now, I remember when I was 18 and I was looking slim and I was able to run and jump like Kobe. Yeah, right. But i at least I thought 10 years later, my body has changed. Man, I, I can't even get up to get a drink at the fridge without it hurting me. You know what I mean? Just to answer my phone, I have to stretch because I might pull a muscle, you know? (laughs) Things change. I change. You change. Emotions change. Work changes. Our circumstances change. But Jesus never changes. He's the unchanging rock by which we must build our lives upon. Build your life on Christ. You might bend, but you will not break because he never changes. There's a hymn that says this, on Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. And if your life is not built on Jesus, you will sink, you will go down because life is too but if you build your life on jesus the storms might come the waves might hit but you will not go down because christ is the unchanging immovable rock and so we see these divine attributes let's look at the next thing jesus is not only possesses divine attributes but jesus is called divine names throughout the bible jesus is called names that only god can be called Let, let's look at some of them jesus is called god in john 1 1 in the beginning was the word the word was with god and the word was god now um, there's certain cults who translate the end of that verse the word was a god but that is a mistranslation if you look in the greek language John literally said, "God was the Word." He put God first to emphasize the deity of Jesus Christ. Um, in John twenty, verse twenty-eight, Jesus is called Lord in God by the Apostle Thomas. In Romans nine five, Jesus is called the eternally blessed God. In Titus two thirteen, Jesus is called the Great God and savior looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great god and savior jesus christ in hebrews chapter 1 verse 8 god the father calls jesus god doesn't get any more clear than that but to the son he says your throne O god is forever and ever a scepter of righteousness is the scepter of of your kingdom in Revelations nineteen six, Jesus is called the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and He has on His robe and on His thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And so, throughout the New Testament and even throughout the Old Testament, Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, is given divine names. A few more. Of them, he's referred to as the I am taking you back to Exodus chapter three and Moses and the burning bush. He's called the first and the last. He's called the amen. He's called the way, the truth, the life. He's called the good shepherd. He's called Emmanuel. He's called mighty God. The list goes on and on names given to Jesus that only God can have. No angel, no human being can be called these names only God Almighty. Amen. You can't call no angel the I am. That's only for God. And Jesus said before Abraham was I am. Ego, Amen, and so you got these divine names that Jesus is called. Let's look at the third reason why we believe that Jesus is God according to the Scriptures. Jesus received divine worship. He received worship in the New Testament. It's recorded that Jesus received worship on ten occasions, approximately why is this such a powerful piece of evidence for the deity of christ because the new testament it records that holy man acts 14 verse 15 and holy angels revelations 22 verses 8 and 9 refused worship they tried to worship paul they tried to worship peter they tried to worship angels and they refused it they said stop don't worship us but the bible teaches that when people worship jesus he never refused he never stopped them but he accepted it with no problem now remember the bible teaches that only god is to be worshiped exodus 20 verses 1 through 6 and Jesus himself declared that God was only to be worshiped. In Matthew 4:10. And so for Jesus to accept worship if he was not God would be blasphemy. But the scriptures not only teach us that Jesus accepted worship, but the scriptures command us to worship jesus john chapter 5 verse 23 jesus himself says hey you need to honor me you need to worship me in the same way you honor the father let, let me share with you briefly a few places where jesus received worship in matthew chapter 8 verse 2 a, a healed leopard worshiped jesus in matthew 14 verse 33 the disciples. Worship Jesus in Matthew 15 verse 25 a Canaanite woman she wasn't even a Jew she worshiped Jesus in John chapter 20 verse 28 Thomas worshiped Jesus and in Revelations chapter 5 verse 9 through 14 all heaven in all creation is seen worshiping Jesus Jesus is worthy of all the honor, of all the praise, of all the worship, because he is God. He is God. And for all of eternity, we will be worshiping the lamb. But listen to this. You don't have to wait until eternity to worship the lamb because you can worship him this morning, this week, this year. For the rest of your life, because he is God and he is the only one worthy of our worship. Isn't it so sad that here in America, people worship things that are not worthy of their worship? Some worship sports, some worship stars and movies, some worship. Worship relationships, boyfriend, girlfriend, some worship money, and none of those things are worthy of our worship. Only Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ will only satisfy your desire to worship because God has built us with a longing, with a desire to worship, to seek something outside of ourselves. And a lot of times we're seeking the wrong things, but we need to seek Jesus for he is worthy. What did Jesus say to the Samaritan? Drink from these waters and you'll thirst again. (laughs) But if you drink from the water that I will give you, you will never thirst. Amen. And so we see that Jesus possesses divine attributes that jesus is called divine names and that jesus received divine worship and with one voice the bible declares that jesus is god and and that's where the christian faith begins it begins with the affirmation that jesus is fully god here in colossians that's where Paul begins, and that's where we're going to begin in our series in answering the question, who is Jesus? The first thing we learned, Jesus is God. And everything that I will say in the future in this series, it's built upon this truth. Jesus is God. If Jesus is not God, he can be the creator. If Jesus is not God, he can't be the sustainer. He can't be Lord. He can't be savior unless he is God. And that's why we begin at the top. We kind of begin at Mount Everest. You know, Jesus is God and everything about him follows that truth. And I just want to end by saying this. I'm going to end in a few minutes. And I want to say this, because Jesus is God, there's serious demands that that places upon our lives. So listen to this, because Jesus is God, every one of us this morning must worship him because Jesus is God. Every one of us this morning must adore him because Jesus is God. Every one of us must bow before him. Because Jesus is God, every one of us must reverence him. We must obey him. We must give to him all allegiance and all loyalty every moment of every day. Because he's God. We must understand that Jesus is not making suggestions. He's not helping us with hints on how to prosper. He's not trying to make us feel good with ideas, but when Jesus speaks, he speaks with absolute authority because he's God. He has every right to tell us what to do. He has every right to make demands upon our life and we have an obligation to obey him, to serve him and to worship him because he is God he has the authority he has the right he has the power to make demands upon our lives and if we don't obey if we don't listen serious consequences because he is almighty God And this morning recognize the deity of Jesus Christ listen to this It's time for us to put Jesus in his proper place as the church, as Christians. It's time for us to put Jesus in his place. He is God and we don't treat him like God. A lot of times we treat him more like a Santa Claus or more like a homeboy or more like a family member but jesus is god and and put him in his proper place in your life how high is your view of jesus christ how high is your view how big is your god how big is jesus in your life what's your view what's your concept of Jesus do you still see him as a little baby in a manger do you still see him on the cross do you still see him with blue eyes and nice skin like the portraits portray him or do you see him as God almighty creator of the heavens and the earth and the seas who has All authority and all power. That when he speaks, it's as the sounds of rushing waters. That his eyes are like the flame of fire and his appearance is like the sun and its strength. How do we view Jesus? What's our concept of him? It's time to put him in his place. He is god and we are his creation let's pray father what if we stand father we